0: Hi, everyone. How you guys doing today? My name is Matt Jarba. Welcome back to Milk Carton Mysteries, episode number 35. Sorry for the couple day delay holiday weekend and the census job that I'm doing is just consuming my life. I feel like I'm an investigator. So being into true crime, it kind of seems pretty cool because I get to figure out where people are and try to uh, ascertain their whereabouts and their information. Uh, of course, it's all for the government. It's not for any kind of nefarious reason, but still, it's fun, and it keeps me thinking about true crime. In fact, just a quick little side anecdote. I spent pretty much the whole of the weekend at a lake for affluent people out of Seattle uh, going around and trying to track them all down, and it was it was cool. It felt like one of those Stephen King-esque stories about being in the wilderness, you know, and, and it was nice. It was, it was interesting. Nothing horrible happened. Didn't find a dead body but I have been to some weird places that do creep me out and some nice places that I would love to live at. Uh, But that being said, why don't we talk about today's stories? We've got seven people shot and killed at a drug uh, outlet or not outlet, but a a drug manufacturing organization. It's the best way I can describe it in California. Uh, Police in Oklahoma are looking for a child porn distributor who apparently is still at large and there's been a an arrest made in a 17-year-old cold case. And those are always interesting to talk about because I, I guarantee you, uh, DNA technology is going to be bringing a lot of these bastards to justice here in the next next couple of years. So without further ado, why don't we dive right on in. But real quick before we do, uh, for those of you guys who are listening on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, do me a solid and please head over to Facebook.com forward slash Milk Carton Mysteries, oh, sorry, facebook.com forward slash the Milk Carton, the, the groups. The milk. I can't think today, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Milk Carton. There we go on that one. Head over, check that out, join the group, get in on the conversation. I know, I know, it's a flubbing, it's a first day back, I can't help it, you know what I mean? This is conversational, it's off the cuff, This these things happen, that's why I think you guys like the show. All right, so let's go over here to uh Angua- Aguana. In California, which is in Riverside County, where seven people were shot and killed, uh, more than 1,000 pounds of marijuana found at the scene. Now, this is what strikes me as odd right off the bat. A thousand pounds, a half ton of marijuana found at a grow operation, an illegal grow operation, where seven people were killed. What about that seems weird to you, right? Anything? Just a little bit? Okay. So here's what it says. Seven people were found suffering from gunshot wounds in an apparent illegal marijuana operation in an unincorporated area of Riverside County. An apparent, I love it, apparent illegal girl operation. Yeah, it's seven dead bodies. I'm pretty sure it's not legal. Uh, and all seven have died, unfortunately. One of the women were take to a, taken to a nearby hospital where she did die. And the other six people did die at the scene. Now, deputies have responded to a report of an assault with a deadly weapon when they found the seven shooting victims. Uh, They say here that evidence located at the scene indicated that the location was being used to manufacture and harvest an illicit marijuana operation, even though weed is legal in California. In fact, all along the West Coast, you still have to get it from approved dispensaries and those kind of operations are still gonna be considered illegal. But I find it very fascinating that seven people were shot and killed. They were gunned down. And the question becomes, why? Now, the statement does go on to say here that they found over 1,000 pounds of marijuana and several hundred marijuana plants at the scene. So somebody killed these seven people, executed these seven people. Now, the woman who was found alive, maybe she talked, maybe she said something, maybe she was able to give the authorities something to use before she unfortunately succumbed to her wounds But the cops are saying right now that the search did not yield any suspect or suspects and investigators stating that the killings appear to be an isolated incident and that there's no immediate threat to the general public. And they have to say that because when you hear about seven people being gunned down at an illegal grow operation, even though it's in Riverside County, right on, I think it's on the northeast side of Palomar Mountain, it is going to put people in the area at, 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 on, on odds a little bit, right? They're going to be a little bit on edge. They're going to be a little bit worried about this because they're like, oh my God, is there going to be a killer out here is a killer running around. Is he going to, is he going to, is he going to come to us? Not far away from where I believe this whole thing took place is an RV park. Uh, it's an RV resort sort of thing. It's, it's, it's an old folks RV resort. It's, you know, it's Riverside County. It's not your, your normal, what you would view California to be. It's not a coastal thing. It's in the desert area. It sucks out there. I've been there before. And so that's a lot of what people out there, you know, they, get, they want to move away from the city. They want to get away from all that, more of a peaceful life. But you do get a lot of crime that takes place out there. So here's my thoughts. Here's my hot take on this particular situation. What I think happened is this. I think whoever gunned these people down did it in order to shut down an illegal girl operation. Not like a vigilante OK, it's not like the Punisher showing up and gunning everybody down. Not at all. I don't think that what I think is that it was another uh, a competitor competition who didn't want these guys cutting into the business. So they went over there and they shot it all up and they killed everybody, but they left the plants. They left all the drugs because they wanted it to be found and they wanted it to be shut down. Now, the other part of me thinks, why would they leave all the drugs? Why not leave like 200 pounds of marijuana, take 800 pounds of marijuana? But we also don't know if that's in fact what they did. They might have left the plants because the plants were just too much to carry, but they might have just taken uh, uh, another another thousand pounds of drugs. They could have taken another thousand. They left a thousand there as a way to kind of make it so the authorities would think that no other drugs were taken. I don't know. It's a weird story. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not like trying to glorify the death of these seven people. Obviously, it's tragic. Uh, When I get to talking about these stories, I get hyped up over them because I'm trying to understand it. So sometimes that comes across as being enthusiastic. So I'm not. If you are a new listener, you might not understand that. Older listeners, you guys know what I'm talking about. But in the meantime, I am very fascinated to know more about this story if it comes across like like a vigilante justice sort of thing. Or like I said, it could be very much a scenario in which you had a rival gang or a rival dealer take out his competition and then turn him into the cops in order to make sure that for one, they sent a message and two, they shut it down. But my question becomes, Then, how much did they get away with? That's going to be the real question. And hopefully someone there knows something. So they'll say something. And those seven people can, in fact, get justice. I don't care if they're criminals for working with an illegal girl operation. Come on, it's weed. You know, it's weed. It's weed, man. They don't deserve to die over weed. No one deserves to die over any drug, really. But come on, it's weed. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. So let's um, let's jump over here to this. This is a crazy story. Uh, This is sick. This is twisted. This is disgusting. A child porn suspect is at large in Oklahoma, and uh, I believe it's in Enid, Oklahoma, close to Oklahoma City, close to Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, What we have here is authorities are currently seeking a man who is wanted for the distribution of child pornography in Garfield County. His name happens to be Bryce Gage Watson's. 22 years of age, who has no address listed, current at least. He was charged April 14th in the Garfield County District Court. A Garfield County judge granted an arrest warrant and denied bond. But they didn't know where he was. They've got no address, right? So the problem, though, is that this is where the cops made a mistake. So the Enid Police Department said on uh, April 14th that they had arrested Watkins, um, but it turns out that they arrested the wrong man. So they got the wrong guy. They thought they got this child, uh, porn, you know, distributor, this, this horrible, sick, disgusting monster. And they got the wrong guy. Now, uh, a spokesperson did say that the Norman police contacted a 29 year old man on August 14th who matched Watkins photograph and had been released by Enid police. The man who was homeless refused to positively identify himself and fled from the cops uh, after he was apprehended, police determined that he wasn't Watkins. A Norm, uh, the Norman County Police arrested him on interference complaint and booked him into jail. Jail records indicate he was only in custody for three hours before being released. I look, like, I'm just going to say this here: if, if they should have just let the guy go, you know, arresting him for that makes no sense to me. Now Watkins himself, like I said, charged on August 14th. Uh, according to the court affidavit, Norman Police Sergeant Adam Crane took a police report on August 11th from a woman who said she'd received a video showing Watkins molesting a young child. She said she recognized the child and the house shown in the video. She claimed the house was in Enid and that she was friends with Watkins and the child's mother. So my question then becomes, and I just have to ask this, and you might be asking this yourself is, was Watkins filming the video? Who was filming the video? And if she knows a child and she knows the child's mother, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I don't know anything. I'm merely asking these questions. There's there's another person I feel at play here. So according to the affidavit, then an Enid police officer contacted the mother of Watkins' friends who claimed to have received a video of him on, social, uh, on August 11th. When she opened the video on August 12th, she saw Watkins doing inappropriate things to the child who was just a year old. Disgusting. According to the affidavit, the enid officer viewed the video and saw the message above it that said, whose child is this? The video included a screen recording of a phone's camera roll that allegedly showed Watkins molesting the child. So it was basically he shot the video, had it on his phone. Someone got a hold of the phone and then took a video of themselves looking at the camera roll on the phone. Now, my question that becomes if they were distributing that, are they going to be busted for distributing child pornography if that is what was in that video? Most people probably wouldn't think about that. They wouldn't think about the idea here of if you if you get your hands on it and you distribute it like you are technically distributing CP, which is a crime, even though they're trying to identify who it is. Now, uh, this is how they identified who Bryce Gage Watson's is. The officer was able to confirm the identity by viewing photographs of him on his Facebook account and then verifying them. I mean, at this point, social media brings down so many people. Uh, in this case, good, take this guy out back, beat him with a hose, and bury him in a shallow grave. you know what he's if they got video of him identifying him doing this, this isn't like an allegedly thing Ah, oh, man, no, no, no quarter for pedos, uh especially a year old come on dude, like just no uh-uh, that's disgusting stuff now, Enid police have asked residents who may know Watkins whereabouts to text uh the word e d p tip to eight. Four seven four one one. That is E D or E P D tip. Yeah, E P D tip to eight four seven four one one plus their anonymous tip or send via uh, the the Enid Police Department app. And there's a I believe there's a reward up to a thousand dollars right now uh, for viable tips. So they are looking for this person who doesn't have an address. And as a person who works with the Census Bureau, my job is to track down people who don't have addresses. So perhaps call your local census bureau, Enid Police Department, and find an enumerator and ask for their help cracking the case. We, no, we wouldn't have any. We wouldn't be good at that at all. Trust me. They, they got this handled. Uh, now, they did say here that the investigation remains open and detectives are working on a few tips. The department is also working with uh, the Norman Police Department to apprehend Watkins. Um, and they also said that they foresee him facing... Other charges. Yeah, you think you think they're going to you think they're going to get him on more charges? Obviously, they're going to get him on more charges. So whoever this Bryce Gage Watson's guy, Watkins guy is, I I just I want him busted. I want him brought down. I want him taken to jail. I want him locked up, molesting a one year old. You absolute sick monster. You despicable, vile human, not even a human. You just yeah, get him, get him off the streets because uh, now, you know, he's in hiding. Now his face and his picture are out there and people are going to be looking for him. And I hope, hope they get him. I hope they get him soon. And I hope they, again, nothing good happens. That's what I hope. All right, let's talk about the final story of the day where there's been an arrest made in a 17-year-old Lubbock County cold case. And this is always good. Uh, so this is what it says here. After more than 17 years, a man is facing charges in the 2003 slaying of a 21-year-old Lubbock woman. Andy Castillo, 57 years old, who would have been 40 at the time of this, uh, was charged with murder in the case of Cynthia Cynthia Joanne Palacio. The arrest comes following a lengthy investigation by the Texas Rangers and the Lubbock County Sheriff's Office. So, yeah, they're going to get their guy in Texas, and uh, they don't mess around when it comes to that stuff out there. Uh, Over the years, law enforcement has scrutinized evidence and investigated tips as they came in. A recent alert in CODIS, the combined DNA index system, led the Texas Rangers and Lubbock County sheriffs to focus their attention on Castillo. Like I said, man, DNA is going to be what brings down so many people, right? The DNA is going to bring down so many people that, you know, I'm just going to say it like the cold case YouTubers out there, the cold case people that like to talk about murders and stuff like that, they might run out of stuff to talk about for these old cases if DNA starts just pegging these dudes left and right. No, I'm kidding. There's always going to be stuff to talk about. So here's what it, uh, what it says. Castillo was in the McLennan County Jail in Waco on an unrelated criminal solicitation to commit sexual, child sexual assault charges when he was served with the arrest warrant. So this guy, this guy was already in jail busted for trying to have sex with the kid, right? Like he was already busted. And then now he's like double busted. He's got this warrant uh, for the Palacio case. This is what the DPS director, Steve McCross says. Uh, One of our duties in law enforcement is to pursue every lead and seek justice for victims and their families. Even when the case runs cold, I'm proud of the diligent efforts by the Texas Rangers and the Lubbock County Sheriff's Office to solve this nearly two decade old case and find justice for a young woman who was brutally murdered. And here's what we know about Palacio. She was found on a rural road Southeast Lubbock County, July 15th, 2003, partially nude and strangled. Her last known whereabouts were unknown and she is survived by a daughter who was two years old at the time of her death. And her daughter would now be 19 years old. Just two years younger than her mom was when her mom died. That's insane. Now, the investigation into Palacio's death has been linked to another homicide, the April 2004 killing of Linda Trevino uh, Carbajal, which remains under investigation. Carbajal, who was also 21 years old at the time, was found strangled on a rural road in North Lubbock County and had suffered blunt force injury. So it does appear that this guy, this Andy Castillo, might have himself one hell of a body count. And now with DNA and everything else that's going to be out there, we might be, we might be seeing a situation where um, a lot of these people, a lot of these guys get brought to justice and we're going to be solving a lot of murders and finding out that a lot more is, is connected. And that, to me, is going to be the scariest thing. When we start to put together through CODIS and all the DNA testing and everything else, look at the Golden State Killer. Look at what they were able to get him to confess to, things that they knew that he did got him through DNA. The more of this we see, the crazier it is going to get. And that, my friends, is going to be the frightening aspect of it. How many of these people died at the hands of the same person? That's going to be scary. But as always, I want to hear your thoughts about it. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the carton. I said it right this time. And on that note, guys, I'm going to wrap up the video. I'm going to wrap up this episode. I think it's been a good episode. a lot to talk about there. A lot for you to discuss with your family over over dinner, you know. Hey, did you hear about the this uh, child porn distribution asshole who's uh, on the loose in in, in Oklahoma City? Or uh, you know the the cold case that is now on its way to being solved via DNA? Where uh, you know what? Um, uh, Cynthia Joanne Palacio. I just want to make sure I got her name correct there. It's gonna get some justice finally after nearly two decades. It's good to see. It's good to hear so let me know your guys's thoughts come over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk Garden. if you guys are watching this on youtube leave your comments also go over to the group and if you're listening to this on spotify or itunes or anything else please leave a review if you like it leave a review if you don't like it leave a review either way talk to me baby talk to me i'll talk to you guys tomorrow have yourself a great week thank you again and peace the hell out